Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth. Young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have to begin by asking you a question. How many people here have a cat at home as a pet? Show of hands. All right, so I'm going to tell a joke, and I need to ask your forgiveness in advance. (laughs) However, I think if you're a cat owner, you're going to understand the punchline. So so here's, here's how it goes. There was a German shepherd, a Doberman, and a cat who all passed away, and they all made it up to the gates of heaven to St. Peter, who asked each one of them, what do you believe? And the German shepherd answered first and said, I believe in discipline, training, and loyalty to my master. St. Peter said, that's very good. You go and sit at the right hand of God. The second one was the Doberman who said, I believe in love and care and protection for my master. And St. Peter said, that's very good as well. You get to sit to the left of God. And then St. Peter looked at the cat and said, what do you believe in? And the cat looked up at the throne God was sitting on and said, I believe he's sitting in my chair. I think the cat owners that raise their hand are laughing the most. You know it's true, right? And yet, no matter what a cat or any other animal might communicate to you, did you know that even the animals praise the Lord? You thought we just did that when we come to church on Sunday, but even the animals sing his praises. And Today, if you don't know, at the 10 o'clock service, it's our third year hosting what we call Pet Blessing Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to thank God for our pets, uh, to thank for God for the companionship and the blessing that they represent, but ultimately the way in which they point us to the one that created them and 
us. And that's why we chose Psalm 148 today, because it's a psalm of praise, and it's called, uh, it's, it's a call to, to worship that's not just sent out to a church full of people, but to everything, all of creation in the heavens and on the earth and below the earth are called to praise the Lord. And it's pretty, it's pretty repetitive. And so I want to ask you to participate with me. You'll see over and over again, it says either praise the Lord or praise him. And so every single one of those times, i got to preach this twice. I don't want to lose my voice. And so I'm going to ask you to participate by helping me by saying the words praise the Lord every time I go like this. All right, so let's practice it. You did a very good job, all right? Let's try it one more time. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to read the first four verses together. Watch my hands as you read along on the screen. Praise the Lord. One more time. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights above. Praise the Lord, all his angels. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Praise the Lord, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. The first four verses are this this beautiful call to praise the Lord out into the heavens. Everything from the sun to the moon to the stars to the angels. And then we get to verse 5 and 6 that give us reason for why all things are called to praise the Lord. Let them, say it with me, praise the name of the Lord for at his command they were Created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. And in this psalm, we will learn three things, three reasons that we are given to praise the Lord in everything. And three reasons that everything is given to praise the Lord. And the first one is this, say it with me, Praise the Lord for the existence of creation itself. Praise the Lord for the existence of creation itself. Here's the thing. Just being alive and seeing the many facets of life and creation is enough to look to the heavens and praise the Lord. Why? We've already read because it is at the command of God that everything has been created from the angels in heaven to the pet that sits down at your feet, from the birds to the bees to the bugs. Every single one of them is a marvel of creation that carries along with it the substance of life itself. I I was thinking about this just last night. We were having dinner with friends before it rained out on our back patio, and our almost two-year-old dropped half of his plate on the floor. (laughs) 
and it's outside, so that's okay, right? And so we were finished, and he got off his chair, and he's underneath his chair, and he's just looking down at the food he dropped. You know why he was doing that? Because there was this beautiful marvel of God's creation known as the ant that had come around all of the food that he had dropped. And, and he's not even two years old yet. He's marveling at all of this little life that's running around him in his midst. Every single one carrying with it the substance of life itself. And this is why after praising God for everything above verse 7, the psalmist begins by then turning or continues by turning our view to things below. Look at verse 7. Say it with me. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Looking down below the heavens, the psalmist begins with the sea. And the mountains, the clouds, and the lightning, and the rain, and even the snow. And, and, and some of these things are, are obvious. Are you not naturally drawn to awe and wonder when there's a thunderstorm? Like last night, right? The farmers were drawn, all of us really, right, to the, the beauty and the gift of rain after such a long time without it. What a gift it is. But lightning and thunder, too, they just they draw you in. And yet there's more to praise the Lord for. There's more that is praising the Lord. It makes me think, when was the last time I looked up at the sky on a nice day with blue skies and, and the clouds that are, that are forming and floating across the sky? And, and when was the last time you looked up at the sky and you looked at those clouds and you imagined the shapes and the sizes that they were creating like a child, right? They are praising the name of the Lord. We're called to do that as well. Or what about the snow, right? The snow is in here too. And we can all appreciate the way that we have this complicated relationship as Midwesterners with snow, right? Like by the end of March, are you not sick of the snow? And yet at the very beginning of the season, especially around the holidays, you want the snow. It, it sets this ambiance of warmth that draws you in so much that if you watch a Christmas movie, chances are the very beginning of the Christmas movie is going to be this video that's panning out, looking out the window, and there's snow falling down. I don't care what the movie's about. It usually is the way it begins because we all know that it draws us in. And yet even in the weather, even in nature, our praise, while rooted in awe and wonder, might still feel a bit out of touch, right? And so the psalmist brings us even closer to life ourselves. In verse 10, when it says, wild animals and all cattle Small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on the earth, young men and women, old men and children. And these, these verses teach us the second reason that all creation has to praise the Lord, and that is, say it with me, praise the Lord for every stage and season. 
Praise the Lord for every stage and season. And we say that acknowledging that some stages and seasons in life are easier to praise the Lord than others. And the same is true in all of creation. Look at verse 10, for example. It says to praise the Lord, wild animals and all cattle, which makes me wonder what about the wild animals that threaten the safety of the cattle, right? Like, what about the wild wolves? And then, <coughs> excuse me, you, you continue. It says, praise the Lord for kings of nations, which is wonderful when the kings and the princes are leading in good times, but how many times throughout human history are kings and princes using their power and authority to rule over others to benefit themselves, often at the expense of those who are most marginalized. Where is the praise in God then? Quick, quick story. I shared with you last week, my family and I went to St. Louis, Missouri for a short family vacation. And one of the things that you have to do when you go to St. Louis is tour the 630 foot high by 630 foot wide uh, Gateway Arch. How many of you here have been at the Gateway Arch at some point in your life? I learned a lot I didn't know about the Gateway Arch when I went there. Um, those are the three of my children that were the bravest to go up at the youngest two, and now you weren't so, so ready to do that yet and so we did and they do this this really wonderful presentation when you go if you haven't been there if you haven't been there for a while I'd highly encourage it and I learned that it was completed in 1965 but this project was actually commissioned back in the 1930s by then President Franklin Roosevelt and it was commissioned to commemorate the great westward expansion of the United States of America. It was, it was commissioned to be a symbol of American greatness and accomplishment. And yet, as you know, if you've studied any of history, this expansion came at an indescribable cost to the American Indians who lived in those places before we did. And so... There's this museum at the foot of the Gateway Arch, and it shows, in, among a lot of other things, this map time lapse. I've got a little video here that, that shows the westward expansion, if you can see that, and all of the territories that were slowly taken over. And at the top, there's a note that reads this. It says, over 500 treaties were made between the United States government and the American Indians. All of them were broken. And then you continue to go through this museum and you read about how for so many years we didn't just take their land, but we took their dignity and their culture by forcing our own upon them. And I want to be clear, as, as sobering as this display was, there were there was so much to take in in all of it. I, I was grateful for it. I was, I was grateful for the indescribable odds that our country has overcome as they talked about the wars and the challenges that so many faced during those years, the incalculable costs, the, the great accomplishments that we have. And I also 
looked at the immense harm that we've caused, the mistakes that we've made, the people that we've enslaved, the lives that we've destroyed. And it actually brings me to the last thing that we learned from Psalm 148, and that is that we are ultimately called to praise the creator, not the creation. We're called to praise the creator, not the creation. We don't praise the creation. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord because the Lord is the one who created it. Next time you're angry at God, ask yourself, who am I really angry at? Am I angry at God or am I angry at the brokenness of God's creation? I know for me, chances are, it's that I'm angry at the brokenness of God's creation. We, we look to the heavens and we praise the Lord, right? We don't praise the heavens. We look to the mountains and the stars and we praise not the mountains and the stars, but the one who made the mountains and the stars. Because after all, they did not make themselves and neither did you. And the reason that the psalmist begins in those places is so that we can then turn and look to everything from the cattle to the wolves to the imperfect rulers of nations and praise the Lord. Not any of them, whether it is in their greatest successes or their most destructive of failures. As I was up 630 feet high in the gateway arch, I praised the Lord as I marveled at the incredible history and creation and engineering that this represents. And then when I walked through the museum, I praised the Lord. You know why? Because the Lord has given us the ability to repent of our mistakes and to have hope for a better, redeemed Tomorrow, we praise the Lord because the Lord is our common creator who binds us together in praise to the one who made it all and promises to restore and redeem all things from the cattle to the wolves to the stars to you and to me. Verse 12, old men and children, the same hands that knit you together in your mother's womb will draw from your lungs the last breath that you breathe on this side of eternity. And both moments are beautiful. And in Christ, it is the one who made you and me that promises to draw us beyond this life into the life that has no end and for that reason, therefore, verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. As I may or may not have mentioned before, today is Pet Blessing Sunday. I think I said that at the beginning of my message. And the story that's traditionally told on Pet Blessing Sundays for churches across all different Christian traditions is the one by St. Francis of Assisi. If you don't know St. Francis, he lived over 800 years ago. He's uniquely remembered for his love and his appreciation for all 
all of creation, but especially for animals. And there's this old legend I share each year that we do this by, um, it's, it was originally recorded in the Little Flowers of St. Francis of Assisi. And it comes from the year 1220 or so when St. Francis lived in the town of Gubbio, Italy. And it was while he was living there that this large wolf began to hang around the town. And and this wolf was mean and ferocious and started to prey on livestock and other animals. And as the legend tells it, eventually the wolf started to prey on people. And so people were so afraid of the wolf that they wouldn't even leave their home without some kind of a weapon to protect them. And even then, if you were ever caught alone with the wolf, no weapon was any match against it. You would be devoured. It got to such a point that the people of this town never even left the walls of their city. And St. Francis was living there at the time, and he felt compassion for these people constantly living in fear. And so he decided, I'm going to confront the wolf. And everybody told him not to do it, but he was determined. And so this is what he did. He, he set out of his house, and he set out from the walls of the city, and he made the sign of the cross and he started toward the place where they knew that the wolf slept and this small crowd of people followed him they had a safe distance between St. Francis and themselves but they wanted to see what would happen and as they got closer and closer to where this wolf lived the wolf saw St. Francis and the crowd coming and started to barrel towards St. Francis with his jaws wide open, ready to devour him. And again, St. Francis made the sign of the cross. Can you imagine while this wolf is barreling toward him, and he cried out, Come hither, wolf! He called the wolf to him. I command thee in the name of Christ, neither you harm me nor anyone else. And to the great surprise of everybody that was watching, no sooner did St. Francis make the sign of the cross, the wolf closed its jaws, crawled up to St. Francis, laid down at his feet, as the story goes, as meekly as a lamb. Then St. Francis said this to the wolf, Brother wolf, you have done so much evil in this land, destroying and killing the creatures of God without his permission. You have even dared to devour men made after the image of God for which you deserve to be hung like a robber and a murderer. All men cry out against you. The dogs pursue you. And all the inhabitants of this city are your enemies. But I will make peace with them and you, O brother wolf, if you will stop offending them. And they shall forgive you and all your past offenses. And neither men nor dogs shall pursue you anymore. Having listened to these words, the wolf bowed his head, and by the movements of his body, his tail, his eyes, made the signs that he agreed to what St. Francis said. And they lived happily ever after with the wolf. <laughs> that's, that's essentially the way that the story ends. It's an amazing story, isn't it? 
And every time I tell it, I wonder, as I'm sure many of you do too, is it true? And the legend tells that when the wolf passed away, they buried the wolf there and eventually built a church on the site of where they buried it. They call it the Church of St. Francis of the Peace, and they were renovating that church back in 1872, so not very long ago in the grand scheme of history. And what did they find underneath the slab of one of the original walls? But they found a large skeleton of a wolf. But all that aside, you know what makes this story so memorable? Why we keep telling it 800 years later? Because since the beginning of time, right, there's all sorts of stories of wild animals threatening lives and humans coming up against them. Maybe even Christian humans who take matters into their own hands to protect themselves and their people. But the reason this story matters 800 years later is not because of what St. Francis did. It's because of how St. Francis did it. Forgiveness is what saved the people that he loved. Forgiveness, which took more bravery and faith than it would have taken for that entire crowd to come and kill that wolf once and for all. It took more guts to forgive. And because of that, we still share this story today. And if you want to live a life of brave faith, if you want to be called by God to protect people from evil and to share in his miraculous power, then you and I are called into the same work as well. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And when that becomes your mission, you will never cease to find reason in the good and in the bad to say it with me, praise the Lord. Amen.